Compliance is a profession where people work tirelessly to make the world a better place. And there are hundreds of amazing and inspiring women who have helped the field develop into what it is today. Great Women in Compliance is part of the Compliance Podcast Network. So join Mary Shirley and Lisa Fine as they talk with women in compliance who are making a difference. Hi, you're listening to the Great Women in Compliance podcast on the Compliance Podcast Network with Mary Shirley and Lisa Fine. We are also sponsored by the Corporate Compliance Insights. Today, I am speaking with Fatema Merchant, who is a partner at Shepard Mullen and based in Washington, D.C. Fatema's practice includes compliance counseling, investigations, and cross-border transactional work related to anti-corruption, export controls, economic sanctions, anti-money laundering, foreign investment, and tariff and import regulations, and I'm sure among many other things. What makes Fatema unique is she is also the first hijab-wearing woman to make partner at a Washington, D.C. AMLAW 100 firm. Uh, given this remarkable accomplishment, we thought this would be a great episode to have during Women's History Month. So, Fatema, thank you so much for joining me. I really enjoyed getting to meet you for coffee and had so much to talk about with you there and even more here. Thank you, Lisa, for inviting me to be on your podcast. I'm really honored that I made the cut. Um, all of your guests really are great women in compliance, so I'm humbled. Well, I'm actually humbled too. So we have a mutual admiration society. So first of all, you're in compliance and you're also in a law firm. When I first read the article about you um, from the DC Bar Magazine, you said you never thought you'd be in a large firm for as long as you have, and now you're partner. Can you talk about your background and how you got there? You know, I entered law school with an interest in international women's rights and international law generally. And like you said, I really didn't think about big law as a path I wanted long-term, but I summered at a law firm, Norton Rose Fulbright, and started out working on global FCPA investigations and other white-collar matters. And I love learning about international business. I really love the people aspect of investigations and helping a company work through big problems. And I also looked around and realized that there are not many of me in private practice in this area, um, especially not at senior levels. And it is so important to have women, people of color, diverse voices as part of a team when you're working to solve complex problems for large global organizations. So it did become really important to me to make partner, to make an impact not only at my firm, but also more broadly as a leader in the legal community and among South Asian and Muslim lawyers. And that follows along, um, talk about the hijab. Many people have this perception that wearing a hijab is somehow dictated to women. You've spoken about how you've made the choice to do so. And also you've said how your mom started wearing one actually after you. How and when did you come to the decision and why is it important for people to understand? So like a lot of young people in America, when I was growing up, I struggled with issues of identity, how to express that identity. And for me, wearing hijab was an empowering choice and a way for me to express not only my religious identity, but my cultural identity and keep me community connected to my community. I do think that broadly it's important for us to understand that there's not necessarily a single or simple reason for why some Muslim Muslim women choose to cover. Um, I've found that often it's a combination of reasons that may include religious observation, modesty, cultural identity, political identity, particularly for women who choose to wear hijab in the West. I also think that people may make assumptions when they see a woman in hijab, you know, about her inner constitution, about her small C conservatism, maybe her confidence. Of course, the issue of stereotyping is an issue that pretty much all minority groups face. But 
the way I think about it is I, I hope that as a society, we can get to a place where we don't make judgments about each other without getting to know one another on a human level. And that's why for me, you know, I try to be really open about the issue and why I make the choices I make and to encourage others to have candid conversations about issues of identity within my team, within my firm and within the legal community, because I do think it builds an intimacy that's so important in a relationship driven industry. Absolutely. I mean, I know you and I, I mean, I, I could have spent hours when we were talking that day and most <laughs> of our conversation was about cultural issues and not as much about, you know, some of the compliance ones we'll talk about later. Um, yeah. But one, you know, other thing about that, you alluded to it before, is that we all have, you know, there are all different sorts of assumptions or other things. And we have had a lot of people talk about feeling a uh, feeling of otherness, you know, the only woman mm-hmm. in the room, the only American, the only, you know, you name it. Um, I can imagine that is compounded for you as, as a person of color wearing a hijab in, you know, corporate law firm meetings, traditional meetings. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I do think, and I'm sure you've experienced this too, you know, when you don't look like a typical law firm partner or, or typical senior lawyer, we feel like we have to work harder and be smarter and be more likable and, you know, not make any mistakes. And I know I definitely feel like that, and, which is, is lonely, you know, at times. Um, I do think that's why this podcast and what you're doing is so wonderful in bringing together a community of women to share professional and personal stories and really help each other succeed. Um, so yeah, it's no doubt a challenge, but I'll just share what I also see as opportunities, especially in our field, in the compliance and international business space. Um, when you are counseling clients day to day and helping to solve problems, identify risks, mitigate those risks, I feel like trust and empathy are so critical. You really have to put yourself in your client's shoes, think about their pressure points, think about their clients, you know, think about the business and be really practical and partner with your clients. And I do think now I'm the one who's going to gender stereotype a little bit. Um, Being empathetic might come more naturally to women. I think building relationships grounded in trust might come more naturally. And second, you know, as an international trade and compliance and white collar lawyer who focuses on laws and regulations that impact international business, I see my practice really at the intersection of law, foreign policy, business, and culture. So I find that my experience and my background and worldview has helped me see issues from lots of different angles, which I find very valuable in my practice. Yeah, I mean, I guess sometimes when I even think about just even the term or phrase white collar, I mean, that came from the collars of shirts that nobody right. seems to wear as much these days either. Right. Yeah. Did, so. did, it didn't envision um, us in the room. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. Um, but I mean, I think that, you know, part of your views on all of that, um, you know, have also helped you become a mentor to women and, you know, women who are attorneys and, you know, that people have reached out to you. Can you talk a little bit more about that too? Yes, of course. I, you know, I think when you're a junior lawyer, part of what you crave so much is seeing people who look like you or that you can relate to that are just happy as lawyers, you know, that you can lean on and who can build close personal relationships with. So I will say one of the most rewarding things about getting more senior and about making partner is being able to be that sounding board for younger lawyers and particularly diverse lawyers, South Asian and Muslim lawyers and women lawyers. 
Um, and again, I would say, you know, that's why a community like this that you're building is so valuable because as a profession, in order to see diverse leadership and whether that we're talking about at GC level, chief compliance officer level, at management and law firms, I think we're only going to see that if senior lawyers make really concerted effort to mentor young diverse lawyers and if young diverse lawyers actually stay in the game. And a key part of getting there is through mentorship and close personal relationships where people are really invested in each other's success. Excuse me. I actually just sneezed. That's another thing about our informal <laughs> podcast. It happens occasionally. Bless you. <laughs> um, you know, I think that that's interesting. One other point about mentoring that um, also is that you have men- mentioned that one of your ma- major, you know, strongest mentors and colleagues is, is, is a white male too. So I think one of the things mm-hmm. that I think is just nice to kind of bring up is that, you know, people also are becoming very helpful and open-minded and learning as well, you know, all different people from your experience and teaching as well. Yes. And I, and that's why, you know, what we talked about earlier about like kind of building intimacy and close relationships is so important. And um, absolutely that happens, you know, with people that you relate to and that look like you, but also people you that don't look like you and that you might not have a lot in common on paper and I think that all for all of us in this profession as lawyers, like just that openness and, and that openness that building close relationships with people that are like us and that are not like us is going to be how we see more diversity in the profession as a whole and in leaders. Yeah, I, I absolutely. I mean, and I always think from the our standpoint and talking to lots of different women and so, and, and fewer men, obviously in the podcast, that it's important to remember that there are a lot of people out there who, you know, don't look like us, uh, mm-hmm. but really want to learn the best ways to be helpful and to empower women and to work with, you know, and to work with diversity. And, you know, you, you know, there are plenty of people who know where, where they came from and want to learn and do better. And I think it's just cool and really great when we hear about that as well. Um, and I think, you know, you, you've done a great job of highlighting that part too, um, in, in, in your DC bar article, which, um, DC bar magazine, which everybody should read, <laughs> you know, and let's just talk a little bit from a, a substantive standpoint. Um, you know, I know there are a couple things, maybe your, your, you know, your compliance practice, but then also you're a part of the Shepard Mullins organizational integrity group steering committee. And I thought that group is really interesting as somebody who's in-house because you're really working to be proactive and to really, you know, kind of help solve problems and work, work with organizations um, as, um, as white collar attorneys who also come in later. I'm sure you you also do plenty of that. Mm -hmm. So I thought maybe you could talk a little bit about your practice and then that practice group and what the goals and objectives are. A group um, of Shepard Mullen partners, as you mentioned, spearheaded the organizational integrity group or OIG. Um, because in our collective experience, we have all defended organizations when things went really wrong, like you mentioned. But we want to be there partnering with our clients so the crisis never comes. And, you know, often when you're in that situation, we're dealing with legal risk. But when you get into it, our clients, you know, all of you, the corporate citizens, are worried about legal risk, business risk, reputational risk. You know, at the end of the day, risk is risk. So we formed the OIG as a multidisciplinary team 
to approach these problems in a more holistic way to help organizations protect against threats to their integrity. And a couple of the partners um, are, learn from their experience as monitors for the New Orleans Police Department. There are folks like me that um, do international regulatory and corruption work. There are, you know, folks who do straight up white collar. So there's a mixed group of partners. And it was really exciting to me because our team approaches problem solving fundamentally through the lens of really understanding our clients' values. Because often, I, I think in the compliance world, we're seen as like the, the people who say no all the time, like, you can't do this, and this is too risky, um, kind of how my children see me. <laughs> but um, with, with OIG, I think talking to clients about the vision and values of the company and viewing all the, those tough decisions through the lens of how do we communicate those values to our employees, to customers, to business partners, to shareholders, to all of the stakeholders involved. And how do we look at legal and compliance issues with a values-based approach that's a more positive and authentic conversation than looking at problems narrowly when it comes to legal or compliance risks? And I think it helps us to be better partners with the business. Because we'll have the conversation, like sometimes you, you can do something lawfully, but the question is, do we want to do it, right? Is that line with our values? And sometimes, you know, a decision might be an aggressive legal stance but it's the right thing to do. Right. So, you know, as lawyers, framing our discussion in values has been refreshing I think, to us and really in line with how society, you know, what society expects from corporate citizens today. Yeah, I think one of the things just coming from an in-house perspective is that, you know, the outside counsel, and one of the reasons I thought this is such an interesting group and so beneficial is very often you know, uh, law firms will, you know, have great skill sets, but they're less interested in some ways, not interested is the wrong word, but less Mm -hmm. involved in what the business does every day, because that's not what you guys do. On the other hand, the practicalities of it are challenges of themselves. And the fact that it seems like part of this is really looking at that, not only proactively, but as you said, kind of getting to know it from the business standpoint. Because um, one of the things, the flip side of what you just said is sometimes there's something that may be riskier than, you know, compliance or law firms uh, would want to do, but still okay and ethical and legal. And, you know, it may not be, you know, my inclination, but I'm not the aggressive business person who's responsible for making sure that my, you know, salary is paid. <laughs> Um, right. And so, and like you said, getting to know the company and really like what's motivating our clients, right. That, that helps us to be better partners with you, um, than kind of coming in and just analyzing legal risk in a silo or other, you know, things in a silo at all. Yeah. I mean, and I I think it's a great model for going forward because I think it, it becomes more and more important, um, you know, particularly over the years, because, you know, companies don't always have one firm that does everything for them anymore, one lawyer, we're all very specialized, even within or without. And I think that it's, you know, I I just, I I really, when, when we talked and you, you're one, you know, as an outside attorney who talks about, you know, what is the company's values? What, what do you stand for? I think that, you know, that's a really huge thing. And, you know, I, we joke amongst ourselves, we're like, you know, it used to be that lawyers talked about value. You know, like when, when a trial attorney who gets up in front of a jury doesn't 
you know, necessarily talk about um, technical legal basis, but ultimately they're going to persuade a jury talking about a story or talking about values. And, and as compliance lawyers, if we, you know, go back to that fundamental, I think it's, it's beneficial for all of us. And, and I'll just make one small comment before I get to asking you about, you know, sort of the closing and, you know, anything else that you'd want to share. One of the things that was completely separate that um, when I was at my prior company at Gate Group, there'd be nothing worse mm-hmm. than when a law firm would come in and start calling us gateway. I'd be like, <laughs> they, they call on the phone to be like, we've, you know, oh, reviewed some things and we could help gateway. I'm like, that's not us. And if you can't get our name right, I feel like you don't know us. <laughs> yeah. That's a problem. If that's how it's we start. <laughs> but you'd be surprised. So if you're out there and you're a law firm or a vendor or something else, if there's, you know, there's a lot to learn from this podcast, but if there's one thing that you're calling someone today, just make sure you get their name right. <laughs> get their name right. That's, uh, that's going to be the takeaway from this podcast. Get it really won't. Right. But it really won't because we've got so many other more interesting things. But when you talk about, I mean, when you the way you talk makes me think about the stuff that is really important, separate from the gender and, and you know, women part of it and really you know, and all the cool things that you're doing, but also the really caring for your clients. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, could I pose a question to you? Like that, that's really helpful. I think for us and the audience to know like what are other kind of pet peeves of yours when, when someone, when an outside lawyer comes in and doesn't uh, know your business. Well, I can say that the name, not knowing the name is, is good. Um, <laughs> I am old school. This is me. This is not, I can't speak on behalf of everybody, but I, I would like, I really feel like lawyers should have perfect, you know, grammar in, in, and stuff like that when they're initially writing, if you don't know them, because I feel like that's still part of lawyers. I expect them to be better writers than me at this point, even though I'm still a lawyer, because <laughs> yeah. um, I'm paying them a lot to do that. Um, mm-hmm. And I think my other one is when they spend more time talking about what they can do for us without really yeah. learning what you know, we need, you know, looking, you know, and also only appearing, I think, and, and, and most don't do this anymore. You know, it's interesting if something goes wrong at a company, the number of people who like will immediately start emailing, like you might need to know about this or that. I'd say my personal one is people who, you know, only keep in touch when they think it's beneficial to them too. But that's, that's a Lisa thing. I wouldn't say that's anyone else's. Like I, you know, I build my relationships when things aren't going wrong. Um, right you know, with outside individuals, you tend to build certain ones internally when you live through a a crisis together. Um, Mm -hmm. So in terms of my independent relationships, those are mine, but yeah. So that went in a different direction than we expected, but I still fun. Um, Yes. And on a last uh, topic, I really would like to go back to all of the important, you know, things that you shared at the beginning and talking about your experience. Um, You know, is there anything else you want to share um, with this community or just before we close? Well, I think we've covered a lot of, um, interesting things, but I, you know, I, I would just again, say thank you for having me on and building this community because ultimately, you know, I think that the more we can share with each other best practices and, um, just tips, tricks of the trade, um, the more beneficial it is to all of us. And, you know, a lot of what you talked about in the end, Lisa, is just, it is about that idea of like building trust among with, you know, among with our clients, with our legal community so that uh, we can all be better compliance lawyers in the long run. 
Yeah. And, you know, I just think, you know, your story in particular um, is really inspiring, especially being a partner um, in the law firms here, which is hard, you know, it's a tough, tough road for anybody. Um, and you're talking about that and also kind of being a role model to many women, um, you know, whether they're wearing hijab, whether they're South Asian or not, is, is huge because it really helps with the diversity and helps with the perspectives on it. Um, so thank you for what you've done for the community and um, really appreciate it. And on, by, on behalf of the um, Great Women in Compliance podcast, thank you all for listening and I hope everyone has a great day. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Great Women in Compliance. We hope you'll join us in honoring the great women in the compliance field by subscribing to this podcast and leaving a review.